1: Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee and Virginia. Winbet is now live in all these states and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet, download the WinBet app now, or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams, who's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone, Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colton Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined as always by Sean Siegel, co-host of the Stealing Bananas podcast, with Ben Gretz, co-host obviously here at Rotoviz Overtime, and co-owner of Rotoviz Make sure if you haven't, I'll start off the show by saying this: if you haven't checked out Stealing Bananas yet, I don't know. I don't know why why you wouldn't have, but the guys have been doing phenomenal content over the. The last probably kind of three months or so uh, since the show started up, it's been a tremendous lesson three times a week. Um, I would recommend as well to check out all their episodes. But the the Sunday recaps have been fantastic, coming out early each and every Monday morning. Um, But I would also say that if you have listened to all the shows so far, I would head back and listen to last, I believe it was Friday's show, where they kind of are getting ready for the 2022 season by saying who that first and second round should be in terms of draft picks i I thought it was a really good process to go through gets you thinking ahead gets you thinking about even you know draft targets for next year maybe if this season isn't going well or if it's dynasty related who to try and get on those rosters ahead of time so really good stuff from sean and ben there but sean we're on the eve of nfl week nine it's hard to believe we are nine weeks into the nfl season at this point but uh should be another we mentioned last week was kind of a a, a strange week but it worked out for us in the end um but um hopefully this one is a high scoring fun week of fantasy football
2: yeah it, it it turned out all right in the end and then we we got into a a very mixed week of fantasy and of football so uh, a lot of things developing there colin we we have plenty to go through with the zero RB reports can continue to add Lots of running backs in. We also are going to talk about some of the players coming back. We had Jerry Judy back this week and created a little bit of a traffic jam out there on the routes for the Denver Broncos. You and I have Judy on some leagues, and uh, just in general, he was someone that we wanted to draft as part of the Road draft plan. He goes out in week one. We've been waiting for him for a while. He comes back and looks... Okay. I mean, he didn't necessarily look like he was 100%, but the Broncos, you know, should benefit from having him out there. But this was another week where, Colin, it was, it was frustrating to watch this team play. They, they're the exact opposite of really what we're looking for now, where their workload is... Is not concentrated in any way, shape, or form. I think with Judy coming back, we weren't necessarily expecting Tim Patrick to lead the team with 29 routes. They had four guys with between 20 and 30 there Sutton 27, Judy 23, Noah Fant 20. You had mentioned that Fant has less of an impact when Albert Okugbunam is out there. Gave that a shot for the listeners who who like us to try that. We'll, We'll keep working. On that one i mean love his name love his
1: i i i laughed out loud while uh why watching that game the last day because i can't remember who the the commentator was during the game but they were not getting it right
2: yeah i don't think i did it there either let's try again we have albert Bunam, which again he's good and fant now with the covid designation we're recording this on wednesday we're not sure how that's going to pan out he's actually a pretty interesting ad this week especially if you don't have to pay a lot for him if he were to play with fant out i, I think the upside there is pretty significant but Column, you know we can look at the routes we can look at the targets this one is kind of crazy I mean, this will not work what happened in this game right now. they have seven players who either had three targets or four targets in this game that's not going to work for sutton it's not going to work for judy it's not going to work for fant and then we look at what they did in terms of overall run pass, that also pretty frustrating. Now Teddy Bridgewater averages 8.2 yards per attempt. You know that's very solid. It's going to be good for him, but only passes 26 times. Washington wasn't able to really get anything going. It only adds up to a little over 200 yards. He gets the one touchdown. You know that won't work for fantasy. Then you look at the running game, and you have Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams split 10 and nine. You know. Melvin Gordon has a good game in this one. He goes for 47 yards. He scores a touchdown. You mentioned that he killed you. Colin, <laughs> you were joking about when you go from ninety percent, 95% to win down to, okay, you lost, then you know something uh, unfortunate has happened. In this game, it was that Melvin Gordon scored two touchdowns. He also gets in as a receiver. Javante Williams has been good enough, and things had been kind of trending in his direction if you have melvin gordon you're almost certainly in a situation where especially during the buys you're going to have to play him but we're not expecting melvin gordon to be the league winner at the same time you look at the way that they deployed their players this week everything really working against having stars come out of this offense where are we thinking about judy now you know can sutton survive the direction they're going i mean getting these guys back are we now in a situation where you can actually play zero denver broncos with confidence
1: it kind of does feel a little bit like that and you mentioned uh you know javante williams obviously we want him to be the breakout star but i think i mentioned a couple of weeks ago it's feeling like it's going to be 2022 when that happens like as much as like melvin garden you know unfortunately came back to hunt me this past week on on halloween but um he he has done definitely enough to warrant the workload that he's getting in terms of like how he's playing so it's going to be hard to see that disappear and just go all the way to Williams but on the part of the receivers concerns at Fant in terms of how much he gets to the tight end split and then it may just be a case that these wide receivers are all very very good but they're all getting very very evenly split um shares in this offense so there's no real alpha getting all the work where we can consistently play him with confidence um, which is a little bit of a challenge. And and Bridgewater is not playing bad, but watching this offense is, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, vanilla, it's kind of boring. It's not going to get you all that excited. And it seems like they're going to do the minimum they need to do. Like they're they're more concerned about not losing the game than actually going and, and winning the game. Um, and, and I think that's my concern with the offense moving forward. I, I think for fantasy, And maybe with Von Miller out of town now, this could start to happen. But I think if this team is playing from behind, it's probably going to be better to try and get the success into this offense. And I know that's easy. You can say like if a team's behind, they're going to have to pass more. But I do think the Broncos are quite content to play with the lead, you know, stay within seven points, just eke it out at the end. Um, whereas if they're, you know, two touchdowns down or a touchdown down and they have to try and get ahead but I think they remind me a little bit of you know how the Seahawks sometimes tend to play they keep it within one score whether they're in the lead or whether they're losing um, and see how it shakes out at the end now with the Seahawks they have Russell Wilson so they usually win at the end but I don't know if this Broncos team on a consistent basis is going to have what it takes to to win that out so the problem is they're they're not a bad team but they're also not a good team they're kind of just there right in the middle so I feel like they're going to have a lot of games where it's pretty neck and neck until the the end they'll stick around with the good teams and they'll stick around with the bad teams as well rather than go ahead and blow them out um so i think it's gonna be a pretty even split across the board while all those guys are are healthy um so there is concerns there and there will be spike weeks but when we want to put judy in those lineups or when people want to put sutton in those lineups and i mentioned the concerns with fant as well it's just going to be uh a little bit of a, a dicey situation for confidence of who's going to put up those points is that kind of where you're leaning as well
2: yeah this team just doesn't have an identity right and, and i think that to an extent this is one of the things that the panthers dealt with last season when they had bridgewater and he actually played okay
1: and i was wondering was it a bridgewater thing like is it a you know i i, I want teddy bridgewater to succeed i've always kind of rooted for him even before his injury and when he was a Vikings player. And even as a Packers fan, that's kind of hard to admit, but I've always had a kind of soft spot for him. <laughs> but uh, maybe this is a Teddy Bridgewater problem.
2: Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, they don't have guys that they want to get the ball to. They don't play fast. They don't play slow. They you know, don't have – they're very neutral in terms of, of run-pass split. You can pull up the NFL Pace tool on the site and explore some of those types of things. They are a team that – has a very slow seconds to snap against. And so teams are not, you know, pushing the pace against them. They end up with, you know, one of the weaker numbers overall in terms of plays for 60 minutes. And so, you know, all of those things combined go to this very vanilla type of team, which again is a, you know, kind of a a Bridgewater signature in that you're not going to be able to potentially, you know, really go out and score a bunch of points with him i do think and it did seem like judy was limping around a few times i don't know if that i mean nfl players are going to limp around after hits on the field i mean you've just been tackled and you've got to kind of overcome that as you get back up you go to the next play i mean anybody who's hit been hit by even a normal person you know playing some tackle football knows that you know you're going to be limping around so much less being hit by these 300 pound fantastic athletes but you know we're hoping that he's okay. There were some questions about whether he would play in this game. Supposedly, he had some swelling on Friday before the game. After he had practiced, you know, that would indicate that. I mean, he's obviously not 100. But as we go a little bit further along, hopefully, he gets there and allows them to blow up. I mean, the thing for me is just that it's just so tantalizing. We wouldn't be focusing on it if they didn't have weapons. I mean, you look across the line of scrimmage, and it's frustrating. And if you have Terry McLaurin, because he's not as explosive as he might be in a different offense with a better quarterback with better surrounding pieces, but you look about, you look at what Taylor Heineke is doing and he's maximizing what they have. He's playing extremely hard. You know, they're using JD McKissick because they don't have really receivers. You know, Antonio Gibson is fighting through that shin injury. Now Gibson isn't doing what we want for fantasy. But, I mean, he's fighting. He's out there competing. They're trying to, to do what they can, but they don't have the talent. With the Broncos, you, you look at it every week because you're like, I mean, we saw for that little stretch when Judy was out, what Cortland Sutton can do. I mean, he, he's back. He, he is the guy. I mean, he's – I don't know if he's a star, but he's at that level right below that to where he can definitely impact a game, make big plays. Then you have Judy. Then you have – I mean, we, we joke about Alberto, but, I mean, he and Fant are two of the most athletic tight ends in the entire NFL. I mean, they're two of the top six guys in the league in terms of tight end athleticism and then you look And one of the things that's frustrating about melvin gordon i wrote an article about it before the season using our you know cool advanced stats tool talking about how he was one of five guys who was actually really good last season and the peripherals point that out and because of some of the surrounding context it, it doesn't jump out to you so you don't necessarily think oh melvin gordon was actually good in 2020 uh, you know As you said, he played well in this last game. And then they have, you know, maybe the most talented of the big name rookie running backs. That Just contextually, there's been no way for him to score enough fantasy points to really do it for you in fantasy. But this is a team with so much talent. And yet you watch them and you're like, it's not the Jaguars. But you are thinking to yourself, i got to change the channel because this is gross. (laughs) You know, it's not fun. And it's hard to see how they're going to beat good teams playing that way
0: hey Rotoviz radio listener this is curtis patrick from the dynasty command center podcast and i've got a special deal for you today go to rotoviz.com click the subscribe button put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code rv radio 2021 that's rv radio 2021 and you're going to save 10 percent taking advantage of this deal getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: So Sean, we're going to answer some uh, listener kind of submitted questions and some recommendations in a moment, but I'm going to fire in a suggestion here for you. Obviously doing the Zero RB watch up on the website, yourself and Blair Andrews, you're on the NFC watch this week. I'm just going to let you have the floor and pick out what you think throughout those nfc backfields is maybe the key nugget um that you feel for this this week heading into week nine and of course that can be our little teaser for the listeners to to head on over and check out the full piece up on rotavis.com
2: yeah so we have james connor number two in total touchdowns number 67 in targets chase Edmonds. With the 99-73 lead in full season expected points, O'Connor has an 18-point advantage in fantasy points ex- over expectation. That puts them in the same general vicinity here. Uh, it makes both of these guys tricky plays every week. 67th
1: in targets as well. Remember yeah, that?
2: so, I mean, that's, that's not great. They talked about his hands. We know that he had this Le'Veon Bell type profile for a season with the Steelers. Uh, I think if you have Connor and we have a lot of Connor talk about guys who have a lot of different ways to win. You have someone in Connor who was a a good price and maybe a narrow path to victory. You could say he had a a wider path at the beginning. There's a chance that he still looks like the old guy. There's a chance that Edmonds, you know, kind of gets pushed to the side in the same way he did last year for Kenya Drake, who was also an inferior player. You watch chase Edmonds now and you're like, I have no idea what they were doing last year. I mean, Edmonds is so good right but fortunately that that one part of connor's path has played out the rest of it hasn't i don't know I, I would be looking probably to sell connor in a redraft league where you could sell him on these touchdowns because i don't think i would i mean i i have a huge incentive for them to continue doing it i root for him every week and you know we mentioned the death taxes and connor scoring but if I'm the Cardinals coaches, I'm, I'm going to give Chase Edmonds some more touches there. So anyway, that, that's where we are with them. Call, surprising Cordero Patterson and Mike Davis, the same number of EP this last week. Davis actually an extra target. Uh, so, you know, if you drafted him and he was one of these guys where he said, you know, we talked a little bit about Trey Sermon in the dead zone last week. We said, avoid Mike Davis. You can see why people wouldn't. I'm, I'm definitely not. Criticizing that aspect, we just were on the other side of it. He had a chance to claw back some value this week, didn't do it. Cordero Patterson gets the touchdown, scores a full, you know, six and a half points over expectation. Continues in his 19-point range. Um, ben and I talked about this a little bit, but I did want to ask you about the Dallas Cowboys and this game. One of the things that uh, we have some Tony Pollard on some teams. You know, I was debating kind of with some of the other RV guys on you know who we should start in in this game. The Cowboys don't have Dak Prescott. We know that so much of what they've done so far, being able to pass, has relied on, I mean, being able to run is the threat of the pass, the threat of CeeDee Lamb, of Amari Cooper. And they've been using those receivers to really force the defense to respect that. And then as a result, Elliot Pollard, Dalton Schultz, (laughs) kind of the big breakout there at tight end. Those guys have been dominating, have been scoring a lot of points. In this game, where the defense didn't feel like they had to respect that as much, they went out, they stopped Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard, not super involved. What he was involved with, he scored below expectation. So not a good game here. Uh, What are your thoughts on on this idea that teams, when they have a game like this, and Cooper Rush played well, averaged 8.1 yards per attempt, 40 passes. He's got the brilliant game-winning throw to Amari Cooper there in the end zone. Is this kind of how you expected this one to play out? It's tricky because some of these times where you're thinking, okay, well, the starting quarterback's out, let's you know work the game plan through our star running back, but the defense also knows that. And one of the things that you find when you, you know, look at some of the numbers, like the NFL expected points added, you can go and you can see some of those things in the Monday review tool, but running plays just aren't very valuable. One of the things that uh, the fantasy douche used to talk about all the time. And at that point, when frank was discussing these things it was actually still very controversial people hated hearing it i think people still don't really care for it but they understand now in the same way that they understand about going forward and fourth down but there are situations in having in which having players like an Adrian peterson having players like a marshall lynch i mean marshall lynch was a real offense killer for a long time throughout his career when you have good running backs you're tempted to use them when really you should just keep passing uh, in this game here. Cooper Rush comes through, and, and this was a pretty fun game. I, it's always exciting, I think, to see the backup quarterbacks win a big game, especially when you know that they're you know it's probably going to be a one or two time thing throughout the course of their careers. Uh, this is a, a season changing performance for the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned that there was kind of a there was a couple of you know Mike White uh, got his got his one too, so a couple of backup quarterbacks coming. In. I don't know if your question was when you said, "Is this how I expected it to play out?" I didn't expect you know them to come in and have uh, Cooper Rush you know throw it forty times and like you know look pretty damn good doing it. Uh, I thought they would probably um, try and run the ball a lot more and um, try and keep it close. I think like this was a real like you mentioned it already, but when you come out after the bye week and just fall flat in your face at home against the backup quarterback, chance to try and you know keep things. You know somewhat competitive in your division uh, and you 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 play like this i think it was a real letdown from the the vikings in general but i have you have to give all credit to the cowboys for for what they were able to do for what cooper rush was able to do i think kind of you touched on your stuff there with you know the likes of Marshawn lynch i think the cowboys probably want to be a running team but they really should just focus on being a passing team especially when they have dak prescott in there with the receivers that they have you know, I think that's just really the kind of you talked about the personality, I guess, of the lack of personality for the Broncos in terms of their offense. I think there's a kind of, I don't know, a crisis of who the personality or what the personality of this offense should be. I think it should really start to lean a lot heavier just specifically on the the pass. And I think that will happen as the season progresses. Um,
2: and by lean on the pass, you mean they need to throw to CeeDee Lamb and throw to CD Lamb and throw to CD Lamb.
1: Yeah, but they definitely need to throw it. Like you know, CD Lamb. Sometimes it's just all they can see is Amari Cooper. But and and all jokes aside, Cooper did look did look good in this one. But yeah, leaning on the pass means not uh, passing it to Ezekiel Elliott (laughs) if we can if we can pass it to the wide receivers. But um, and get Tony Pollard out there, right? I
2: mean, let's let's get some Pollard action.
1: I think that's where we're at. Like I was going to touch on Pollard. I think we're you know all any expectations of how it would have played out this season and especially after the first couple of weeks we thought it was kind of going to be closer to 50 50 split but elliott is getting getting pretty much all the work um you know double almost two and a half times the expected points going his way neither running back being efficient pretty much at all um you know nothing really it's not like we can say pollard's getting a couple of opportunities doing a lot with them which we can you know we would have said in the past it's it's pretty much the same across the board. But yeah, I think um, Pollard's a, a hard, like if you have him on your roster, I think you're going to hold him there in case anything that happened to Elliot, but it's very hard to be able to trust him as a standalone value. And then with Elliot, it's very hard to put him in. Well, with all the injuries, you can put him into the RB one category, but in terms of being, you know, return on his overall value, you know, his current points per game is just short of 18. Now it's 17.8. Um, know there is a solid floor there as you mentioned in the piece this week but with Pollard in the back as well it's kind of lowering his his value it's going to stop him getting into that you know 19-20 points per game uh, range so Cowboys offense is one that I think they're still trying to figure it out but um, I think if they have like realistic aspirations of you know trying to go deep into the playoffs and win a Super Bowl they're going to have to do that with uh, Dak Prescott rather than um, with with uh, ezekiel elliott but cowboys are going to be going to be interesting but i would recommend the um the listeners head on over check out the full mm-hmm. article up on the website it is the zero rb watch for the nfc and then blair has the afc piece up there this week too uh, mentioned Dak prescott Sean, this question actually comes in from me um something that i was thinking through, um and you touched on the Melbourne garden loss it's actually uh, a scenario that i had in a couple of leagues but in that particular league uh, Melbourne Garden came back to get me uh, a two-point loss, and that one. Something that was interesting last week was the talk around Dak Prescott. What he plays, so a number of leagues, I sat Dak Prescott, which turned out to be the right decision. Obviously, he was playing on Sunday Night Football. Monday Night Football this past week was the the Giants and the Chiefs, and Kadarius Tony. There was you know uncertainty around his status, so how or do you think of those games i think it's something the listeners do battle as well i do get questions on a weekly basis about the sunday night game or the monday night game and putting those guys into your lineup so in that situation i had tony in the lineup but come sunday still was unclear so i switched tony tony out for lavisca chennault now this kind of all ties together to the, the content of this week's shows we talked about chennault on the previous episode but obviously tony didn't have a, a big night um finished with over seven points in ppr league but when we look at it in this one would have got the w over chanel to who, who did obviously worse than that so just the situation of like taking a zero on on that if he doesn't play versus starting him what's your kind of thought process there and i i think again we talked about the process of draft selections if i had not play again i would do the same scenario this coming week with somebody on monday night football because i think leaving the zero when there's too much to risk but What's your overall thoughts on those kind of start-set decisions?
2: Yeah, it, it's tough for those reasons that you mentioned. And it does come down to the individual situation so often, and it comes down even to kind of the structure of your league because you're trying to figure out how to win your individual game Kind of as you go through the weekend. Sometimes what you need will change. But a lot of the leagues that I think our listeners probably are playing and certainly the FFPC that we have, a lot of exposure with the overall points scored also matter. I mean, you don't want to come down to the end of the season where you've maybe four or five times gone for the big play to try and win a game or the risky play and given up points and find that now you missed the playoffs by, you know, 12 points, but you gave those points away not one week, but over the course of time where you were trying to take a bunch of risk in order to win an individual week. So you've got to balance those types of things. I and mean, then the chances that you miss the playoffs maybe by 10 points, you know, maybe that doesn't seem overly likely either. Although, you know, we've all been in situations where that will happen, or you know, you make it by 10 points and, and you're very grateful that you had this little play during the season that you didn't think was maybe going to matter. But so going through that, I mean I had the the question. But Jerry Judy this week, you know, is he going to play? You mentioned Kadarius, Tony Blair and I had a situation where we have Gronkowski and Cole Komet. you know, is, is Gronkowski going to play? We had the the Judy question on that team as well. And it's a team that has Christian McCaffrey. This is maybe the team that's been the most sad for me because I look at that draft and think uh, this is like one of the all time great teams and Not only is it not going to be an all-time great team, it's going to finish like in the bottom third, unless somehow, you know, we score 200 points a week over the next month with McCaffrey coming back. But this team was loaded enough that we had plenty of other good options. We could just leave Judy on the bench. And I've been missing playing him so much, I kind of wanted to go that direction. And, And Blair's like, you know, let's play the other guys, which obviously made sense. I think that he also wanted us to play Komet or was at least thinking that's the safer way to go commit just hasn't done a lot and we need points and so I, I, I was thinking well let's split the difference we'll leave judy on the bench we'll play gronkowski that didn't work but it didn't kill us and one of the reasons why i did want to go with gronk is because when you have especially with antonio brown out and you have this potential for red zone work and big plays and one of the reports suggested okay well he's not going to play a ton but he'll play in these really high lever situations that didn't really pan out either It looks like he's just really not that close to being ready to go. Hopefully after the buy, he'll come back and do it. But you're thinking, okay, Komet's upside just doesn't allow us to really impact this week. And we can occasionally give away some of these really low scores if we have exposure to a 20, 25 point game from someone. And so partly you're looking, what is the upside for the individual guys? And then you're trying to make some of these calculations that you just don't have enough information to really make accurately but you have to use the information you do have Try and figure out what you think will happen with the game knowing that these guys too i mean a player who is borderline to play is extremely likely to get re-injured and you know whether or not they just decided okay he he can't do it or whether or not a grunk did have a tiny little uh, extra re-injury you know that's a little bit up in the air maybe that information is out there i'm not sure about it but you, know, you can lose the guys. And with t- Tony, you know, he goes out there and you look at how they're playing the game early. And until Shepard goes out, Tony was very much a situational kind of guy in that game. So that changes the upside that he had. So you're trying to, to judge on that. One of the things that I do, and I, obviously the, the other, that our listeners are doing, is trying to go through, figure out the scenarios. But Judy had a list of the teams he was in on and the teams where we actually had a swap option to go to. If you don't have a swap option, then it's much harder to play him. The same thing with Tony in some of those games. If he wasn't going to play, we could go with Nicole Hardman. Now, Hardman ended up scoring a lot more points. It would have been a better play uh, just going through. But with Tony, if he does play, they don't have the full complement of guys. They trail to the Chiefs. You're looking at this potential in a 25-point game. And so you want to get him in there if it looks reasonable to do that. So again, it it comes down to the individual guys, but I would caution people about taking too much risk for the one week because the overall points are going to make a difference in a lot of formats. Don't lose sight of that to win a given week. You want to score points. You want to maximize your opportunity to win that way. Is that kind of the way that you are playing these? I mean, are are you factoring in the full season as well as, as we try and, you know, claw points back or claw bigger advantage with some of these teams
1: yeah you made a good point uh you know it depends on the league format that particular league format obviously points for might uh become a tiebreaker for playoff seeding if it gets to that point but it's not like the ffpc leagues that we're involved in as well where total points is going to come into an overall factor so it was uh one of those things where <laughs> looking at the uh, bench and things after you know on, i remember saying last week after week seven was one of those weeks where whether you won or lost there wasn't a lot left on the bench and you were like well I started the team that I could but this was one where like if I had a one of eight different options in the starting lineup I would have got the two points like the bench kind of had those points so it was one of those weeks but those things happen and then obviously Melvin Garden is uh, you know coming to get
2: you as well that's the other part of it but I mentioned commit and he's someone I think is an interesting player with Justin Fields playing better last week now you know whether or not we can count on that going forward is tricky they've got a very difficult schedule the rest of the way so if you're looking to try and pick up fields the rushing value if he continues to rush which i think is also something that's very much up in the air now that can balance out the difficult schedule but they've got a lot of difficulty coming when you look at who they play and you look at the fact that it's really just darnell mooney who's able to do anything for them now commit had a, a drop in this game he had an end zone target where the play looked like it was going to work, but the defender was holding his off arm and you get that ball rocketed in you at whatever miles per hour that's coming right there at the goal line. And you can only stick one arm out. That's going to be a tricky catch. We saw some guys make some crazy one-handed catches, but I mean, this was a game where, I mean, Komet is a difficult guy to to play. Ben and I have a team with Davis and Davis is definitely not happy about us having Komet. He also always wants us to bet on, he's a big Albert O fan. We maybe add him in. Maybe he has more upside than Komet, but, I still think that commit is a play that could work out going forward. And it just emphasizes too how this could have actually been a huge mistake for me and Blair. And again, Blair probably more on that decision. Uh, however, unless again our teams go like 190, 190, 190, 190, it's actually a decision that will be completely irrelevant. So those things also come into play too. You don't want to you don't want to put too much pressure on yourself with these decisions, get too much emotion into it. Because in all likelihood, it's actually not going to matter. And I always encourage people to, to think in terms of, you know, wait until the very end to decide whether or not you want to criticize yourself or feel bad. Things tend to work out in the end, in all situations where they could work out in the end. So uh, I'm, I'm still enthusiastic about some of these start set decisions that went the wrong way
1: yeah no hopefully hopefully we make more right than wrong and that'll obviously lead us to a better season um a question that came in from jonno uh through twitter and i thought it was an interesting one that i think fits in at this time so he said um the team uh, that he has at the moment in his dynasty league is going to be a playoff team and he's got a chance to trade for jonathan taylor he said the only thing is basically using up most of my valuable picks over the last over the next two years he said would you do that sort of trade if it allowed you to get a blue chipper so uh, the trade was going to be for two first round picks and so one in 2022 one in 2023 and then two second round picks one in each of those years as well so a lot to give up uh, in this scenario but you would be getting jonathan taylor back in return and you're basically a team that's heading for the playoffs i thought it was a very interesting one i think it's one that's good to think about but my thoughts sean on it are that with somebody like jonathan taylor you're getting a young player whose value is likely to still increase it's not like you know when we're looking again it comes down to the profile you know like if it's uh, not just because derrick henry's got injured but like derrick henry or ezekiel elliott those are the players sometimes you see people giving up picks for and you think that's not the right way you know if you trade into jonathan taylor at this point even with an injury unless it's a you know severe severe injury um that we think that he'll be back then for the start of next season as an not like you know just normal general wear and tear let's say at the running back position um you are gonna be able to trade out for him for probably similar value so obviously there's a lot to give up in terms of the picks um but what's your thoughts in general and like at this point being in a playoff position and, and trading for somebody like jonathan taylor who like we see with derrick henry You know, one play, one week, season could be over. um, And then obviously you've given up a lot of that for something that's not going to be able to take you to the playoffs. How do you weigh up
2: that risk reward? This is a good question, I think, in part because uh, this is a situation that we face. And the opportunity to add someone like Taylor is just so tantalizing. I think it depends on where you are with your team, right? We talk about this idea of perpetual reloading, even within the idea of perpetual reloading that doesn't eliminate the opportunity or the possibility of adding just absolute superstars that increase your upside throughout the course of the playoffs this season throughout next season. We want to look at these running backs a little bit in terms of, you know, will we be able to get back out of them? you think about right now we're actually i mean we've been in this golden era of star running backs for a little bit now and some of these guys you know like an alvin Kamara, like a dalvin cook like a derrick henry like an ezekiel elliott are sort of already across that age threshold where in dynasty you're going to be able to get back what you really should be able to get back based on how good those guys are and so one of the things that we have to realize is even if the player does not end up you know, doing a Le'Veon Bell and holding out and then not coming back. If you, even if you don't have a, a David Johnson or you have a sort of season ending injury and then never really come back, even if the player continues to play well, you're not going to be able to get that back out in uh, dynasty trades. I mean, Curtis and I have a, a team with Dalvin Cook and, and Christian McCaffrey and all these other stars. And yeah, it's terrible because McCaffrey continues to not play. And so, you know, you're trying to then position yourself for next season. And Dalvin Cook, someone who, despite being the number two pick in redraft this year and looking just absolutely and totally like himself. Now he missed the the game with, you know, Alexander Madison filling in, playing pretty well. And it's not like he's been completely healthy. He hasn't been. It's it's a Dalvin Cook sort of season where he misses some games. So when he's out there, it's not a Le'Veon Bell situation. It's not a David Johnson situation. There is no decline in play. He looks Unbelievable you cannot get good value back out of Dalvin Cook, which is frustrating. And You know, if you have them on your rosters. So you have to be aware of that when you pick up someone like a Jonathan Taylor. It, those, that huge pick load that you give up to get him. I mean, you've got a pretty tight window there if you want to get anything like that back out and not have your team get worse. The other thing that happens with it is that exactly like you mentioned, I mean, you're one play away then from... Having really changed your team for the worse forever, I look back again at this team that the Curtis and I have, and it's been a, a weird team. That's there have been a lot of good lessons. I think now uh, Curtis is an excellent dynasty trader. He is excellent at understanding dynasty value. He's a fun person to sort of co-manage the teams with. Obviously, you know he has the brand as the dynasty commander, and I think that's very justified based on his knowledge, his experience, his you know results in the leagues that he performs in the analysis that he gives for readers and so i I mean i i mentioned all of that just to kind of point out that even like the two of us i'd like to think that we're good at this right can make some decisions that maybe they look good at the time and then not very long after that you're like you know what did we do because with that team, it had Dalvin Cook, it had Christian McCaffrey. We picked Jonathan Taylor early. And this is during a time period where I was actually trading multiple first-round picks before Jonathan Taylor played an NFL game to get in there in the first round and take him in the dynasty chart. That's how much I liked him. You know, we had Dak Prescott in a, in a super flex. So we've got just all of these first-round pick guys in terms of first-round picks in the startup. And then we make the decision, you know, Michael Thomas, who we talked about earlier this week, is coming off of this historic season he's been to that point in his career like the best wide receiver ever pretty much i mean there are different ways you can break that down but he's going to be up there in that group with a randy moss with a Jerry rice uh with a calvin johnson i mean michael thomas has been this unbelievable force and so we trade jonathan taylor in a first round pick to get him and balance out this roster that now has prescott and McCaffrey and cook and thomas in you know, people know what's happened since then with a couple of those guys. That team is just lost and lost and lost and lost. And you're like, and one of the things, too, is this isn't a super deep format. You don't have, a, you don't have to start like, you know, 11, 12 good players. And so, again, you're, you're looking even more at the starting lineup and thinking, how could people ever beat us? Well, they beat you because those guys get hurt and your team is just bad. And so, when you make that move, then you narrow your pathways, you take on a lot of risk, even though you have the stars. But at the same time, I think it does matter where you are in the process of building your team. We had a really fun time doing some Dynasty startups. The Rotoviz Triflex format in the FFPC is so much fun. Had a chance to do a league with Blair, had a chance to do a league with Ben, had a chance to do a league with Monty Fon, who, uh who is an FFP superstar and, and someone who does some cool content for the site from time to time. I mean, those three guys, three of the best minds in all of fantasy football. So being able to work with them on making some of these trades, build the teams, you know, it, it was just a great experience. And in all three times, we did decide to go with this idea of building with depth, trading down, acquiring a lot of future firsts. It's been sort of funny to track all of these teams where they're all doing poorly and that we had a bunch of these wide receiver injuries. And a lot of the young guys that we drafted have you know didn't get off to fast starts a lot of the quarterbacks that we have for the super flex are younger players who are not putting up a ton of points and so they're all performing poorly and are toward the bottom which because in all of those cases we've got a ton of picks next year including our own pick you know you're almost like just one season we can definitely take and we'll have a pick in the top two or three we add some more stars and i was watching this last week with some regret because all three of these teams put up huge points you know, blew out their opponents. Uh, Two of the three, I think, put up big points. The other one won a a lower scoring game. Uh, Anybody who's listening in that league, not to overstate that. But the teams now, with the amount of time that's left, it's almost kind of this weird thing where I'm worried they're going to make the playoffs, right? I'm worried that they're too good because they just have too much depth at this point. And so then as we add more depth in next year, and then you're looking in year three and you're like, you know, I've got too many players there's no way I can make all of these guys work anyway. And I could flip out some people for some more starters. I mean, if you've got 20 guys who would be picked in the first eight rounds of a dynasty startup, then you're in position to now move some of that to improve just how high those guys would be. And so if you have the depth to make this trade for a Jonathan Taylor, if you're in the kind of portion of the build where you almost have just too many players anyway then i think it's a no-brainer right because you're adding jonathan taylor i mean jonathan taylor is the number two back in dynasty right now. i mean that to me that's very fairly clear cut and there are some receivers we probably like better but when you're talking about the impact in any given year for that top running back especially in dynasty where you need a better team than the best possible redraft team to really hammer your opponents yeah I, i mean i like that move so it it depends on the context but I think there are situations where you could make that move for Jonathan Taylor and be really excited about it
1: yeah I would agree there is obviously the risk but I think if you're going to risk it the you know the kind of profile that he has um I, I think it's like one that I'd be willing to to kind of take that little bit of extra risk on but the other thing is if we could just get the Colts to you know pass to him a little and not even the Colts just Carson Wentz you know if he's wide open Uh, rather than throwing interceptions would be would be a smart move uh last thing to finish up and thanks to Jono for sending in that question uh Alex has sent in a recommendation Sean as well said we were well he said you guys were talking about good sci-fi books I would give Sean full credit for the book side of the podcast uh when he's talking through some of those suggestions but uh, he said the best that he has read in the past decade was the long earth he said it was thought-provoking and funny a collaboration between two of his favorite authors i don't know sean if that's one that that you've come across or you've read in the past but um it's always good to get these recommendations and from the listeners and, and thanks to alex for sending in this one
2: it always is a lot of fun and, and we're going to start mixing in some more of those too, as we are able to take a little bit more of a deep breath on some of these shows as we move you know, toward the fantasy playoffs here and, and definitely into the off season. I do think that I have started this book, maybe read a few pages. Uh, I, I read a lot of things where I, I don't get in at the very beginning and then, you know, you get distracted by something else. But one of the co-authors that he mentions here, uh, unless I I'm completely think of something different, is Terry Pratchett, who is just an absolute legend, right? And has written the Discworld series. So many of my favorite books and so many of my favorite quotes from books come from that series. And uh, column. it was fun. We had uh, a question in sort of our, our Sunday morning shows that we're doing about the best quote from the book. I shared one that I do share from time to time because it just, every time it blows me away with how cool it is. I mean, Richard Russo is the all-time best writer. But there are so many other fun quotes and we use them in some of our fantasy football team titles, uh, use them, you know, sometimes for some segues on the site we'll incorporate some more of those into the show for people who are, are just looking for some fun things so tons and tons of great stuff in, in movies and in tv shows we'll mention some of those but sometimes people are a little bit more familiar with those whereas you have some of these quotes from the books and there's one that's kind of popping through my head right now i won't do it this moment in case i blow it because i wouldn't want to ruin it for people but it's it's just extraordinary right and so love this recommendation i'll go back and give that book another chance. It may be one that I checked out and didn't start, but read through that Terry Pratchett. Absolutely fantastic. And definitely if people have recommendations uh, for books, let us know. We'll give them a try.
1: Yeah. And no, I was going to say, Sean popped an idea into my head there when he was mentioning the quotes. Maybe if, uh, if some of the listeners have some of their all time favorite quotes, uh, send them our way as well. We might uh, share some of them on the show. I'm always, uh, like to hear some good quotes. So, uh, send them in as well um, as always you can get yourself a 10 percent discount to a road nfl pass by adding the code rv radio 2021 at checkout gets you access to all of our content and tools on the website um it gets you set up for playoff push and of course the uh the the 2022 season as well and uh the, you know the tools in terms of dfs and the content there as well if that's your kind of weekly game that you'd like to, to play and get involved in Lots of great stuff up there too. Sean mentioned the Sunday shows. We'll have another one of those coming your way tomorrow. We have done two so far that we've released. This will be our third. Lots of good feedback. We are likely to record some more of them. If you have any questions, send them our way from those. Do drop us a written review on your favorite podcast app. I mentioned earlier this week, if you've already dropped us a review, if you do drop a new review, it kind of refreshes the algorithm. So if you haven't dropped or if you have dropped one in the past, but have a few minutes drop us one Uh, we would really appreciate that as well that's going to do it for the third show of the week as i did mention we will have a fourth show coming your way tomorrow on sunday and we had two shows as well on tuesday and thursday and of course sean is on with ben gretch as well for the stealing bananas podcast three times a week as well check out those they will be coming your way as well early monday morning with a recap of all the happenings Of NFL week nine. So until we're back with the next show, obviously dropping tomorrow, but the next NFL related show will drop next Tuesday. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overton Marlin. My co host is Sean Seagal. Check out Sean's work up on MotorViz.com. And until next time, have a good one.